There was some sort of imbalance going on in my body, how I just wasn't able to recover from maybe these hormone drops, maybe these other things going on in my life. I made an appointment with my primary care doctor and I shared the symptoms of not having an appetite, of just feeling really off, feeling anxious all the time. And she explained that it sounded like I was in a depression that resulted in all of my anxiety being compacted over time. I'm Helene Cussman, and this is the Mind Body Mother Podcast, where we dive into the nitty gritty of all things physical and mental well being for moms, future moms, and all who identify with the motherhood journey. There is no such thing as TMI, taboo topics, or oversharing in these conversations with myself, a mom of two, and my incredible village of wellness experts. If it will help you physically, mentally, and emotionally, we're digging into it in these conversations. So grab that twice reheated coffee or tea, press play, and join me. This is the Mind Body Mother Podcast. On today's episode, I am opening up about the really debilitating anxiety and depression that I experienced and how I was able to heal it with a combination of medication, therapy, and lifestyle changes. This all happened in 2019 going into 2020 after I had a baby, but as you'll hear in my story, it's a little different than postpartum depression and anxiety usually is. So I don't always call it that because I think that that was one of many different pieces that were contributing in my experience. A couple important things before we dive in. First, I want to say that this episode is my personal experience and is not medical advice. Second, I want to share that if you're going through anxiety and depression, you are not alone. I hope that if this episode does anything today, it shows you that asking for help from a healthcare provider can be challenging, but can sometimes be necessary. It's honestly hard to believe that this all happened four years ago, and it's just a good reminder that you're never stuck. Time is weird. It moves slow and it moves quick all at the same time. It felt like it was moving so slow for me during that time, and now all of a sudden, it's years in the past. So whether we want it to slow down or speed up, time just has a way of somehow continuing to move and helping us get from one chapter to the next. I am so glad that you're here and part of the Mind Body Mother community. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I would also so appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. It helps make these episodes discoverable and get them to the people who need them most. My anxiety started long before the episode of debilitating depression and anxiety that I'm going to share about today. So for a little bit of background, I first realized that I had anxiety as an adult when I was working in the public school system. When I lived in DC, I had hour-long commutes and traffic. I was in way over my head with the challenges of being a young newer teacher working in a high need, high poverty classroom, and also anticipating a move halfway across the country away from family and friends. So at that point, I would put my anxiety in a manageable category. I went to therapy for the first time. I discovered and started practicing yoga. I started taking time to cook for myself and I just became more aware of my needs, which helped. 
fast forward a few years later to having a baby, I had definitely anticipated that my anxiety could become an issue and was well aware of postpartum anxiety and depression. I had read books about it, you know, heard podcasts, like felt prepared that this could definitely happen to me. I had made great progress with my therapist before I had a baby and she was on standby for whatever came up. I think what surprised me about this journey was that there was a very, very slow boil up to this point of what I call debilitating anxiety and depression. I was pretty anxious from the time that we had Harper. So we were having feeding issues. It was a challenge to transfer milk at the breast nursing. And it was also a challenge to have success with bottle feeding. So this was really frustrating. It was a round the clock struggle. And we eventually got referred to a pediatric dentist who recommended that he get a tongue and lip tie release. So we jumped into this without knowing much about the procedure and without being accurately informed about some of the work that's beneficial to do before and after this procedure. And for us, it ended up making things a lot worse. So at this point, he was completely refusing to feed in most cases. Our concerns had been totally written off by our pediatrician. So I was doing these weight checks, finding that he wasn't gaining weight and we weren't getting any support from the doctor. We weren't getting any answers of what to do. They were just telling me to continue to breastfeed him for 30 minutes at a time and make sure that he took both sides. And that was it. There was no other support. So this left me feeling like I was doing something wrong. We were doing something wrong. It was a pretty scary situation. We eventually got to a point where we received a failure to thrive diagnosis for him, which was really hard as a mom. And I think especially as a mom who was breastfeeding, I felt this sense of responsibility. I felt this sense of guilt. I really internalized that diagnosis as me being a failure. You hear failure to thrive and you think you're a failure who didn't help your child to thrive the way that they were supposed to. So we ended up switching pediatricians to a place where we could find a lot more support. We also had been advised by the doctor who gave us the failure to thrive diagnosis and he guided us through fortifying breast milk with formula, which is something that is only advised to be done under the care of a doctor, but ended up working well since he wasn't eating very much at a time that we were able to kind of pack in more calories. He started to slowly gain weight. He started to slowly bottle feed better. I mentioned this entire part of the story and kind of tangent to some of our feeding issues to paint a picture of the fact that at this point, my anxiety was very normal, I would say. It was tied to an acute event that was happening. It was tied to this health issue. And it would have been almost surprising if I didn't have some sort of anxiety or extreme stress in this situation. So because of that, it motivated me to really wait and see how I felt over time once things got better. As time went on, I still really didn't feel better. I was pretty stressed out, pretty anxious around the clock. I really couldn't relax into motherhood the way that I wanted to or embrace motherhood the way that I wanted to. So I decided that part of this could be that I was exclusively pumping. Pumping was really painful for me. I never found the right phalange size for the pump the way that I did later on with breastfeeding with Graham. 
And so that was an extremely uncomfortable experience. It was an extremely mentally challenging experience to have to pump all the time and have to be sleep deprived. And I wasn't nursing him. I was bottle feeding him. So I decided to switch to formula so that I could see if maybe getting more rest or not having this constant painful experience of pumping could help my mental health. So I slowly began to wean. I was ready to be done, but I didn't want to wean too fast because I knew that you could experience this big shift in hormones and get plugged ducts and other unpleasant symptoms. So I just started to be patient and wean very slowly, which the silver lining was that I felt good that I was able to still, you know, get him some breast milk, freeze some breast milk and was fully weaned at the end of 2019, around December, like going into 2020. So right around the new year was when I was weaned, which felt bittersweet, but also exciting for a new chapter. I anticipated that I would start to feel better, but instead I still did have that really big drop in hormones, even though I went slow. Things just started to feel even worse. I thought maybe my appetite went away from weaning, so I was no longer breastfeeding. Maybe I just didn't eat as many calories anymore, but it started to feel pretty off and pretty suspicious. Another thing that I'll mention that felt really off um, and was another red flag was that my social anxiety felt really out of control. So I've always had a little bit of social anxiety. I still do. It's just like part of me um, that's well-managed and I think pretty normal and common. But at this point, things that had typically felt pretty good and comfortable didn't. Gosh, it's also vivid in my mind, but a friend had thrown just an intimate dinner party for me for my birthday at one of my favorite restaurants, just with some close friends. And I remember the entire dinner, I could not focus. I couldn't focus on one single conversation. My mind was racing with thoughts. I just felt really miserable, like I wanted to be anywhere but there. Another thing that happened around that time was that I was starting to get out more. You know, I had been laying low during postpartum and I was speaking at an event, which is something that would also normally feel pretty anxious about and have a layer of social anxiety, but it would typically feel pretty normal and like something that I would get through and then feel really good after and proud of myself for doing. But in this case, I felt terrible after. Like it really set me into a fight or flight mode and afterwards the entire night i was just like spiraling like my heart was racing i was going over every single thing that i said i also was having a hard time just fixing this through self-care so i wanted to work out more i wanted to meditate i wanted to do things that i thought would help but i just wasn't even in a place to be able to i just didn't feel good i didn't feel motivated so i think that's a thing that can be a misconception when it comes to mental health is why don't you try these other holistic approaches first before you get to something like medication which i'll talk about in just a second and if you're not in a good place you're really not in a place where you're even able to do those things. So it's not as straightforward as it may seem to someone looking in from the outside. I had this feeling of being really stuck and I knew that I had to do something big to shift my energy. So I signed up for a Reiki healing training and I also signed up for a 200 hour yoga teacher training. I thought those would give me some accountability to show up, to be around a community and to hopefully do some things that could help with my own self healing practices. 
In the meantime, I also knew that I needed to address this in a more medical way. I'm not someone who loves medication. I really try to avoid it at all costs. It's a last resort for me. And you know, different things are right or wrong for different people at different times. At this point, I was about eight months postpartum. So I felt like I had really given it a shot at resolving, at trying some things. And I really wanted someone to tell me to go on medication. So I made an appointment with my primary care doctor and I shared what was going on. I shared the symptoms of not having an appetite, of just feeling really off, of feeling exhausted, even when I got good sleep, of just feeling anxious all the time. And she explained to me that it sounded like I was in a depression that resulted in all of my anxiety being compacted over time. So it made a lot of sense to me the way that she described it. I wouldn't have diagnosed myself as being depressed because interestingly, I didn't feel sad or depressed. So yes, I explained some things that sound like symptoms of depression. When I tell my story, I was tired all the time. I didn't feel good about myself, but I still wouldn't have probably thought that I had depression. Like I, I didn't feel depressed when I was thinking about it at that time. She prescribed me an SSRI, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to be able to explain perfectly to you how this drug works, but how I interpreted it and what made sense to me was that there was some sort of imbalance going on in my body, how I just wasn't able to recover from maybe these hormone drops, maybe these other things going on in my life, despite what I was trying. And so to me, it sounded like this drug would help me to balance out the serotonin to be in a more optimal way for feeling good. And in fact, that is what happened for me. So she advised that I wean on the drug slowly. She prescribed a really small dose. And even with that small dose, I was literally breaking up these pills under her care so that I could wean on them super, super slow and avoid any sort of negative side effects. And that worked. I didn't have any negative side effects going on them. And I'll tell you in just a bit about the side effects that I did have when I went off of them. So I went on the drugs. I started to feel good. It was really a miracle for me. I got to a point where therapy felt like it was working again. I was able to focus more on therapy. I wasn't canceling sessions. I was more present when I was there. And I'll talk more about the specific type of therapy that I used in a little bit. And I also was able to be focused and be present during this yoga teacher training, which continued during the spring. And it's a great way for me to measure my progress because from the beginning of when teacher training started in February, when this was all going on to when it wrapped up in April, I felt like a different person. Now, mind you what was going on in the world during this time as well. So this is happening in 2020. My meds literally kicked in right when COVID happened, which I'm still in awe of the timing because it scares me even to think about what would have happened if I didn't feel better and if the meds didn't kick in when the pandemic was going on, that things could have spiraled even worse. So I'm really grateful for the timing and it makes me proud of myself for asking for help when I did. While I just went into both the Reiki and the yoga teacher training, wanting to shift my energy, wanting to find some self-healing skills, I came out of it feeling really different 
And like, I wanted to help other people to feel better mentally and physically. So I decided to start practicing as a yoga teacher and Reiki healer, despite the shutdowns going on and just do everything virtually. So I started working for the studio where I did my teacher training and I started doing virtual classes there. I started also teaching some of my own virtual classes just through my website and finding some private clients who I was doing virtual Reiki healing and restorative yoga started my own program where I was doing all virtual live classes for people. And it was such a great way to have community during the pandemic when everyone was at home. It helped me feel connected to people. It helped give me a new purpose. So that is a huge part of my healing journey that I also want to mention. So fast forward to later that year, I was still feeling really good and my doctor had advised to wean off of the medication after six months. I had always seen the medication as a bridge for me, a bridge to get from a place of feeling this debilitating depression and anxiety where I wasn't really even able to function in a way where I could have done the self care practices that I needed at the time. I couldn't have meditated. I couldn't have had a regular yoga practice. I couldn't have, you know, found community with friends because I just wasn't in a good place for that. So the medication I always saw as a bridge to get to that place, to be able to really practice the tools that I needed to feel good. So once I got to that place, once I had these practices, once I felt community, I felt the sense of purpose again, I was feeling really good. I had good routines in place. I wanted to wean off. So my doctor advised that just just like how I weaned onto the drugs, I would wean off and I should go really slow. So again, I was like chopping these pills under her care so that I could have a smaller dose than they even make for these drugs so that I was able to wean off of them super slow. So I coped fine mentally weaning off, which I felt really blessed for. I didn't get any sort of big spike in like anxiety or any sort of relapse into the depression, but I just started to feel dizzy, to feel wobbly, like I was on a boat. The best way that I could describe it is vertigo type symptoms. I even tripped and fell down the steps at one point during this time. So I kept kind of struggling with weaning back on a little bit more and then weaning off and going back and forth. And that was the hardest part for me with the medication. I was totally fine when I went on it, but then it was really hard coming off. And I had never heard of that before. I really didn't anticipate that happening. So it's just something that I want to share and just something to consider and know about with these drugs that I don't think is talked about enough is that they can be amazing. They can be life-saving. It was so worth it. I don't regret it at all. I would go back on them in a heartbeat. In fact, I even told myself that if after I had my second baby, I started to feel like that again, if it was like more of a postpartum anxiety and depression situation that I was totally willing to go back on maybe even that drug or try a different drug because it was so life-changing for me. But that was still part of the journey and part of what people have to struggle with is that drugs can be amazing and life-changing for them, but there can also be a big struggle in trying to get the doses right or in trying to wean off or wean on a drug. So I think that's a big part that I know from other people who I'm close with who have mental health struggles and from this experience that is not always talked about. So the key parts of my healing journey that I really want to highlight now, if you're listening and you're you're like, okay, what are the biggest takeaways here? The first one and the most important one for me was medication. So as I mentioned, this medication was my bridge. It got me from a really bad place to a good place where I was able to then 
find community, find more purpose and passion, complete this yoga teacher training that I was working on, you know, be able to show up and be more present as a mom, be able to feel more motivated to do things like meditation and yoga and movement. So that is my number one thing that I have to say, as much as I want to talk about how these other things helped, it would really be a lie if I didn't say that that was the most important thing that I think really did it for me. The second thing is therapy. So that was something that I had been doing for a while before this debilitating anxiety and depression. And I had tried talk therapy for a bit, which really didn't work or do much for me. And then I had moved to EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's basically a way to work through past traumas that can be holding you back from feeling good in your present, or at least that might not be the official definition, but that's how it's been part of my life and what's worked for me. And these little traumas are things that we might not even realize are traumas in our life. So the therapist basically goes back through things with you either in recent times or like far back in your past, in your childhood, makes some thematic connections for you. Maybe there's something that you're not feeling good enough about in your current life. And it ties back to some things from your childhood. So they do this EMDR therapy. And my interpretation of it is that it kind of helps to rewire your brain around that belief so that you can feel better and you can heal whatever the root is of this belief. The third thing is community and sense of purpose. This is so huge. And I think that it's something that can be an amazing tool to all of us that often gets overlooked our sense of purpose. So if you're in a place where you feel stuck, you're in a job where you feel stuck, you're in a relationship where you feel stuck, that sense of purpose to me has always contributed to my overall well-being. And I think when you see depressed loved ones or friends who are having this identity crisis or are having this depressed feeling and this low self-confidence and you try to tell them how important they are in everyone else's lives and it's really hard to see them like this um and it's really hard looking back to see that i felt like that you know looking back at myself with a place of compassion and i think this is something that's really hard to talk about as a new mom who maybe doesn't feel like you're embracing motherhood the way that you're supposed to the way that you see on social media the way that you see depicted in movies or tv shows and i was really enjoying motherhood in many ways you know i did feel a sense of purpose of being a mom and being there for my baby but at the same time i had really lost a piece of my identity i haven't had the same experience in my motherhood journey since having Graham or really since healing my depression after I had Harper. But people have to feel a sense of identity and a sense of purpose for themselves to be able to feel that for anyone else. And for me, doing that Reiki healing training and doing that yoga teacher training gave me another layer of my identity. I've always been really passionate about wellness and well-being. And to be able to do these trainings, to also be able to be a part of community, to get outside of the house, and to really just feel a little bit more connected to myself, that was so helpful and invaluable in this point in time that I was at. 
And the last layer I think is almost this top part of the pyramid that you have to, at least for me, when you're in this really big crisis type of mental health situation, it has to be the top part because you're not always in a place where you can do these things, but of course you can be once you heal through some of that more intensive work, maybe medication, maybe therapy, maybe community, some of those things, and then being able to incorporate self-care practices on a regular basis, meditation, restorative yoga, movement. Those are the things that really worked for me. And in my experience, I just wasn't able to do in a consistent and regular way that could really give me the benefits while I was feeling so terrible and while I was feeling this anxiety and depression. So that to me was my final layer. And once I got to that point where I could incorporate those things regularly, like I mentioned, I was able to wean off of the medication. I was able to do less therapy sessions and then able to just kind of be in this maintenance mode of maintaining a positive state of my mental well-being. So that's my story. I hope that if anything, this episode has made you feel less alone, has maybe given you some ideas for how to support a loved one, a friend, a family member who might be going through something similar, or just to kind of give you a window into some of what goes on behind the scenes when it comes to anxiety and depression. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode today and be part of the Mind Body Mother community. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I would also so appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. It helps make these episodes discoverable and get them to the people who need them most.